time for the My Ag Life Daily News Report. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In today's show, Taylor Charleston will have a report talking about calculating the cost and benefits of a winter cover crop. And I'll check in with regional and national agricultural news, beginning with regional ag news right after this. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. Climate impacts affecting a state such as drought, a shrinking snowpack, higher temperatures, and wildfires were central to a discussion by California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross and members of the State Board of Food and Agriculture. California's water supply strategy focuses on developing new water supplies, expanding storage, reducing demand, and improving overall data and management, according to Ross. As they look at a hotter and drier future, she says she knows that California's farmers and ranchers will continue to adapt and lead the nation and water use efficiency and conservation. Speaking at the October 4th board meeting, Kayla Unger, CDFA Special Advisor for Climate, Water and Drought, discussed Governor Gavin Newsom's water supply strategy released in August. The plan outlines the state's priority actions to adapt and protect water supplies in the face of a hotter, drier climate, she explained. She suggested that more impacts are coming from climate change. Anticipated impacts, she said, include a temperature increase of up to 4.4 to 5 5.9 degrees more heat events and a one-third decline in snowpack even if precipitation remains stable. That would result in a 10% reduction in the state's existing water supply by 2040. In addition, California expects to deal with rising sea levels and more wildfires, she said. Newsom's water supply strategy prioritizes actions to capture, recycle, desalinize, and conserve more water and includes increasing storage by creating space for up to 4 million acre feet so the state can capitalize on big storms and store water for dry periods. Other goals include building the water storage projects voters approved in a 2014 Proposition 1 water bond, plus raising San Luis Reservoir and expanding groundwater recharge. Climate scientist Jonathan Overpeck made a presentation to the board about aridification or the gradual change from a wetter to a drier climate, and he thinks that things are changing dramatically. While the severity of the warming is not the same everywhere, Overpeck said warming has increased by about 1 degree Celsius or 2 degrees Fahrenheit. A failure to rein in climate change means warming could increase even more. California forests are experiencing more tree mortality due to warming, he said, adding that the snowpack is being lost to the atmosphere and groundwater aquifers are becoming depleted. He says we have to cut water use, but it's not enough, and says that water security risks are infecting the entire planet. He says it's going to be overwhelmed by climate change, so the sooner they get everyone acting on climate change just as aggressively or more than California, the sooner they are going to stabilize these sustainable water supplies and keep them from shrinking. Newsom's 2020 water resilience portfolio called for voluntary agreements, a collaborative approach, and an alternative to the 55% unimpaired flows for tributaries sought by the California State Water Resources Control Board. Looking to the 2023 year, California State Board 
Board of Food and Agriculture President Don Cameron said California agriculture must do its part to reduce overall demand while maintaining family farms, markets, communities, and the overall food security. He says they remain hopeful for a drought-ending season, but understand that business as usual is not the path forward. Table Grape Breeder International Fruit Genetics LLC announced it is identifying properties where there is unauthorized planting, cultivating, or illegally collecting and selling of IFG's protected table grape varieties. The company has been working with the Peruvian authorities of Indicopi and the National Institute of Agrarian Innovation in the city of Ica, Peru. Among the IFG table grape varieties protected by the Peruvian National Registry of Protected Plant Varieties are Sweet Globe, Cotton Candy, Sweet Sapphire, and Jack Salute among others, which are duly registered as trademarks in the U.S. and elsewhere. As a result of a recent inspection in the Santiago district, the property owner chose to burn all the plants, eliminating the evidence and evading the consequences of the infringement. It is IFG's policy to spare no time and effort to combat possible activities that violate its rights and safeguard its commercial interests as well as those of its licensees, according to Andy Higgins, CEO of IFG. In its capacity as a title holder, of the breeders' rights over the various protected grape varieties in Peru, IFG is entitled to prevent or initiate legal actions against third parties who, without IFG's consent, carry out acts that are intended to protect, reproduce, as well as sell, market, or import the genetic material or fruits from the varieties. Possible repercussions for the said action may result in sanctions, closure of establishments, destruction of infringing material, and even compensation for damages caused. The California Avocado Commission has promoted Ken Melbound to Vice President of Industry Affairs and Operations. A produce veteran with extensive experience, Ken Melbound joined the commission in 2011 as Director of Issues Management. In 2015, he was promoted to Vice President of Industry Affairs. Melbound is now responsible for industry advocacy activities, issues management, production, research, and grower communications. He has spearheaded the expansion of the California Avocado Export Program, persisting to secure market access to China in 2020 after nine years of process and negotiation. He secured USA market assessment funding and USA market access program grants to promote California avocados in South Korea, Japan, and China. Other highlights of his accomplishments to date at the commission include sustainability initiatives, the development of good agricultural practices for the California avocado industry, training, and widespread adoption of the program. An ocean mist, a grower and marketer of fresh artichokes in the U.S., is pleased to announce Mark Munger has joined a company as senior director of marketing. With this hiring, Ocean Mist Farms has brought on an experienced professional with more than 36 years in a produce industry. Munger is responsible for leading the day-to-day management of trade and consumer marketing initiatives at Ocean Mist Farms. Prior to accepting a position, Munger served as vice president of marketing and strategy at Four Earth Farms, and before that, he served as vice president of marketing at Andrew Williams and fresh produce. Munger's career also includes marketing positions with Driscoll's, the Produce Marketing Association, and various California commodity boards. He earned his Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Science and Management from the University of California, Davis. 
California produces about 90% of the nation's strawberries, but severe drought and worker shortages are threatening the fruit. One company is hoping to change that with the power of robots. Eric Adamson's company is behind a strawberry robotic revolution. He said they're programmed to think on their own with cameras that sense texture and color. People think robots have been around forever, but they're actually very, very new, especially robots that make decisions and are autonomous, he said. As good as they are, though, he said they're hardly foolproof as they expect they'll make mistakes and they'll expect things will break. And he expects things to break. He said the robots pick with 95% accuracy. And it's not just the robots that are learning. Jean Paul Rodriguez, who used to work in the fields, now manages the robots picking strawberries. He said he did not know anything about robotics before entering this new role. Cover crops offer many potential benefits, including improving soil health, but not knowing the costs can be a barrier for growers who want to try this practice. To help growers calculate costs per acre, a new study on the costs and potential benefits of adding a winter cover crop in an annual rotation has been released by UC Agriculture and Natural Resources, UC Cooperative Extension, and the UC Davis Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics. Historically, it's been difficult for growers to accurately determine costs and benefits of cover crops due to the time it takes for effects to be seen in the field, according to study lead and UCCE farm advisor Sarah Light. One of the challenges is that many of our soil health benefits are realized in time, but often we're doing our budgeting um, on an annual basis um, in terms of, you know, the costs of, of management, especially of an annual cropping system. We're thinking about inputs in and then we're selling our crop um, in that same year. And with soil health, soil health is really the long game. Um, Growers who are um, doing soil health practices for the long term sometimes will describe it as putting money into your, you know, your soil bank account, your soil savings account for later um, through doing some of these practices. And so I think that it's Um, it's just hard to know how long it's going to take to realize the benefits of cover crops specifically. Um, And then it's even harder to quantify what those benefits are. Um, And so in terms of cost, um, I think that that boils down to just, if you haven't done something before, you just might not know how much it costs. And because there was no cost study on how much, what different management practices were um, being used to to implement and manage a a winter cover crop in an annual system, that resource simply didn't exist. So the, the cost part of it was just sort of a matter of information gathering from growers who had been doing this management practice uh, previously, and then setting up a model that was relevant to predict costs. And hopefully that allows other growers who want to who wanna, um, begin cover cropping or expand their cover cropping to have a baseline idea of how much it costs, because um, I've never talked to a grower who doesn't value the importance of long-term uh, productivity of soil on their farm. Um, but making an ask to do something um, like plant a cover crop that you can actually sell um, and has no immediate short-term economic return can be challenging. And so uh, that was where, um, why I was really motivated to create this cost study was as a tool to reduce barriers to adoption of cover cropping um, for growers who were interested, but really just wanted to know what are we talking about it as a starting point of how much is this going to actually cost me? I just want to get a sense of like, what is it going to cost per acre so I can make a decision on what if I'm going to try it or not. The study includes detailed information on the potential benefits and the drawbacks of cover cropping. Given the frequency of drier winters, Light and fellow farm advisor Margaret Lloyd included the cost to irrigate one out of three years. 
typically um, growers are not irrigating a winter cover crop. But um, if you're doing all the work of buying the seed and planting the cover crop, and then we have an extremely dry winter, like we've seen um, some of the winters we've had in the last five years, um, then you're not able to realize the full potential of the cover crop. And um, of course, with our climate change predictions, um, it's likely that we'll continue to have really extreme um, drought years. Um, hopefully not, not every year and will um, increase our capacity for managing water in a multi-year way um, for our agricultural sector. But in terms of a year-to-year -year challenge, um, it may it may be that there is um, a really dry winter. And so we made the decision to actually put in um, a small amount of irrigation, one every three years, um, to anticipate the kind of long-term reality of our um, potential precipitation in the Sacramento Valley. Um, so that was, I think, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, and then, you know, for me as an agronomist in soil science, of course, it's always interesting to um, think about the different pieces of equipment. And so once we got really into the weeds about um, tractor size and horsepower, you know, it was interesting to see what, you know, what was needed to complete all of the necessary field work that we had modeled. Um, so, of course, you know, that's more of the um, the equipment uh, side of it than I usually kind of get into. So that was an interesting learning experience for me personally as well. Another consideration for growers is that multiple programs, such as CDFA's Healthy Soils Program, various USDA-funded programs, and Seeds for Bees by Project APSM offer financial incentives for growers to implement conservation practices such as cover crops. The study can provide growers with a baseline to estimate their own costs and be useful to calculate more precise estimates when applying for some of these programs. Certainly with um, the, some of the incentives programs, um, there there is a push to, to build these soil health practices and um, to implement practices like cover crops. Um, and so if you are trying to get, um, if you're trying to pick between a suite of incentivized practices, um, this can certainly help a grower figure out um, if cover cropping is reasonable with their system and then as well, um, what those costs might be so that when they apply for the incentives funds, they um, know, you know, know kind of what what they need to to budget out for, um, because uh, the you know the request for the funds is supposed to be kind of all inclusive of what the cost will be, and so um, there may be costs beyond, um, for example, the cost of seed or something that a grower might um, apply for funds for, but. Um, ultimately, it's just a good baseline so a grower can anticipate how much um, how much they might be able to and kind of take advantage of the full potential of these um, really great programs that we have available right now, especially in the state of California between the more traditional EQIP, um, which is, of course, USDA, federal government, and then now the Healthy Soils Program, which is through our state government. Um, we have and even broader access to these incentives funds for growers in the state. And so we hope, you know, there's potential, I guess, that this cost study would um, help growers, you know, get and use those funds effectively. But Taylor, I do just want to say that the impetus for this cost study had nothing to do with the incentives funds. The impetus for this cost study was entirely driven by um, what I identified as a need from talking to growers who um, didn't cover crop and realizing that there was just a lack of information about what to expect a cost to be. The opportunity to potentially leverage this resource to apply for incentives uh, funds is a 
a happy bonus, but it definitely was not the foundation of the work. The core and foundation of my work in extension and of my collaboration with Margaret on this project stems from our desire to provide resources that better um, serve our clientele here in the Sacramento Valley. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be hero, superior bees, superior pollination. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration released its U.S. winter outlook beginning in December and running through February of 2023. NOAA predicts drier than average conditions in the south with wetter than average conditions in the Ohio Valley, Great Lakes, Northern Rockies, and the Pacific Northwest. The agency says widespread extreme drought continues in much of the west, the Great Basin, and the central to southern Great Plains. Drought will impact the middle and lower Mississippi Valley this winter. Drought will also develop in the south-central and southeastern U.S., while drought conditions should improve across the northwest U.S. in the months ahead. This year, La Nina returns for a third consecutive winter, which will drive warmer-than-normal temperatures in the southwest, along the Gulf Coast, and through the eastern seaboard. NOAA says drought conditions are now present in 59 percent of the country, and parts of the western U.S. and southern Great Plains will get hit hardest this winter. Political pressure is growing for the Environmental Protection Agency to boost its renewable fuel standard targets when the agency issues them next month for 2023 and beyond. Conventional ethanol above 15 billion gallons, higher advanced biofuel volumes to cover sustainable aviation fuel, and renewable diesel and e-REN credits for electricity from biogas. That's what 13 Midwestern senators are urging from EPA in its RFS rule due next month and that the ethanol industry argues is justified. There's sort of been this myth out there that there's a cap on conventional renewable fuels like corn ethanol of 15 billion gallons, and, and there is no cap. The other reason is because the ethanol industry is still owed some volume from EPA that was illegally waived or inappropriately taken away from the RFS in past years. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper says EPA also needs better life cycle analysis for biofuel emissions. The last time EPA looked at life cycle analysis for renewable fuels was 2010. So here we are 12 years later, and it is past time for them to update their analysis because so much has changed uh, in the industry in terms of technology adoption and new practices. Is Cooper optimistic EPA will follow through on all the requests given its track record of helping oil refiners? We are optimistic that uh, this EPA is going to follow through on a lot of the commitments that have been made by Administrator Regan and President Biden on this program. And we think a lot of the, the sorts of things that these senators are asking for in this letter are the sorts of things we're expecting to see in this proposal. But whatever is included won't be finalized until next June, which Cooper says leaves the marketplace flying up blind for the first several months of next year. 
Biomakers, a global ag tech leader in soil health analysis, received a $1.6 million grant from the European Union. The grant will help answer the need for strong solutions around soil biology and agriculture. The EU recognizes the importance of B-Crop, the company's soil intelligence technology, and the environmental and socioeconomic impact it has on farmers. The grant will help fast-track the development of B-Crop AI and machine learning that will help accelerate Biomaker's global mission of recovering soil health. The AI currently has the world's largest database of taxonomic references and has analyzed more than 415,000 hectares of soil. B-Crop technology decodes soil biology to help farmers improve food production while improving the sustainability of their farmland. The industry will no longer have to develop agricultural products or apply inputs without verifying their impact. B-Crop is the first step to making that happen. Companies like Syngenta already utilize the AI. This week is National Bat Week, and Roger Perry of the U.S. Forest Service says leaving bat populations alone as much as possible in their various roosts and habitats will aid in assuring that their colonies remain strong. A lot of them roost in old abandoned buildings and in houses and things like this, and trying to maintain those populations as long as they're not creating a nuisance for the homeowner, not trying to remove them unless it's necessary. A lot of bats hibernate in caves, and so avoiding going into those caves during the wintertime and disturbing the bats is very beneficial because if they are aroused during their hibernation in the wintertime, it forces them to burn up their energy reserves that they've stored up in their fat. And so basically leaving them alone when they're hibernating and providing extra roosting habitat in the summer, such as bat houses, is beneficial. Once again, Roger Perry with the U.S. Forest Service. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Rhodesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Rhodesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on the, every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.